Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to by the word of their testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning in again to the program. I'm delighted to have your company. Now with me from New Zealand via Skype I have a special guest and her name is Diane Halpin. Diane, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Now, it's quite interesting how I came to hear about Diane. I'm on a newsletter that gets sent out by a gentleman in the name of Steve Wahlberg who does a lot of ministry and evangelism overseas, and he also does broadcasts through 3ABN. And in New Zealand, 3ABN through free-to-air actually broadcasts via the First Light television network. And then I heard that, Diane, you were watching one of uh, those programs being broadcast and that had a role to play in you coming to, to the Lord and to hear about him. Is that correct? Definitely, yes. Yes, so it's quite interesting. I then contacted uh, First Light Television Station and said, look, I wonder if it would be possible to get in touch with this lady whose story I read about. Now, I had no idea where you were in, in New Zealand. And then finally, I made they made contact with you. You agreed to do share your testimony. And then uh, one of the ladies who actually has a lot to do with 3ABN Radio, she's actually a contact for us with five radio stations in the lower part of the South Island, the southern part of the South Island. Lorraine Little actually got in touch with you. And here, lo and behold, we are to, for you to share your testimony. So thank you very much for doing that today. Perhaps we can just start at the very beginning and you can start telling us your story. Okay, well, I grew up in the South Island of New Zealand. Um, I have a family of eight. I have uh, three brothers and two sisters. My my mum was a Catholic, but my dad wasn't. But his father was a Catholic, but and his mum wasn't. And his, his mum actually had a real dislike for Catholics. Um, a lot of it was to do with the fact that um, my fa- my father's dad had to mar- marry his marry his mum because he had gotten her pregnant, okay. and this was yeah this was like back in the 30s. So mm. for for a Catholic that was really a no no. I understand. Yeah. So anyway, um, my f- my father's father was a very abusive um, man. And Dad would use, Dad used to tell us a lot of stories about his childhood and some of the things that his father um, put him through. And I, I think a lot of it he blamed Dad a lot um, for having to marry his mum. And um, like um, they they did eventually separate. Um, like Dad, um, he was put in hospital at one time because his father had broken both his legs. Wow. Um, he, he used to tell stories like he was put in a boy's home and they used to feed the boys up on broken biscuits so they wouldn't have to give them meals at night. 
And um, yeah, he he had a really bad ch- childhood. Mm. He had he he was the eldest of five. He had uh, another two brothers and two sisters, but um, they were spared a lot of the abuse. Um, but I remember later on I, when I was about three. Um, I remember we were we went to Dunedin because his dad was dying of cancer in hospital, and his dad had asked my dad to come and see him. So I don't really know what happened, but I know that one of the things was that he actually asked my dad for forgiveness. Really? Yeah. So I think um, you know the guilt was playing on his mind, and mm. and 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 being a Catholic. Um, you know that sort of thing does play on your mind, yes. especially especially when you're dying. There's a lot of fear. Yeah. So mm. um, anyway, the sad thing was that um, when my dad married my mum, he never actually touched a drop of alcohol. Um, he had actually had a breakdown when he was about 21, and I think I'm not sure, but the story goes that's that's probably about the time he met my mum. Um, my mum was a nurse, and I'm not sure whether she was involved with any of his treatment, but my father ended up coming home with my mum um, to live with my nana. Um, okay. my, na- yeah, my nana was a beautiful woman. Yeah, she had really Christian, real um, uh, practicing Catholic, had had a real heart. And anyway, um, anyway when... Eventually, mum and dad married, and what happened was dad got a part-time job at a bar, and that ended up being his downfall, and he started drinking. So, yeah, I think this happened, I was around about six or seven, and I just remember uh, um, all the yelling and all the uh, fighting and all the abuse started about then. Mm, so and, it was alcohol that actually had changed the way your dad used to interact with you guys and you became quite a different person because of that. Yeah, I had a lot of fear um, with my dad. I used to um, I used to try and will myself to stay awake at nights because I was so scared um, that he was going to hurt my mum or kill my mum. And, mm. and every now and then sometimes he would come up to either, especially my brothers, he... Um, he actually had a real dislike for my um, old, uh, my oldest brother Craig, one of my oldest, yeah, my oldest brother Craig, and um, he used to get it. And a lot of um, mum, their fighting was over Craig, and mum used to try and protect him. Mm. So of course, um, yeah, it was. Uh, mum, mum used to hide a lot of her feelings. And like she would come into our room in the morning and just pretend nothing was wrong, and she'd actually be singing. So a, a lot of um, that taught me to hide my own feelings. Okay. Yeah. So I just learned to pretend, and I had a lot of shame about crying because, you know, when I did cry, it was never I was never comforted. It was never it was just ignored. Mm. So so I used to go to school and. I'd be, you could tell I'd been crying and the girls would walk up to me and say, oh, have you been crying? And I would just hide it and say, oh, no, it was just the wind. Yeah, right. I just made an excuse. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so by the age of 17, um, I I um, had a school counsellor who was my form teacher 
and I it was a really bad year for me. Um, she must have noticed things. I, I sort of wasn't able to hide it anymore. So she sent me to a school, a child psychologist, and the child psychologist more or less told my mum that I had um, the emotions of an 11-year-old. And anyway, mum, mum was really upset with me after that, and she she tried to say that it, it was nothing to do with my home life. It was just the fact that I hated school. So I, lot of, I lost a lot of trust in my mum. Wow. Um, then. Yeah. I, I had a real fear of growing up. And, um, yeah, I think that's when my um, I had a, I developed an eating disorder around about that time. So this is around by the age of 17? Yeah. Mm. Um, I stopped eating. I used to... Um, hide food in my pockets or, um, yeah, when I was doing my homework in my room, I'd be alone and I'd just put it in bags and just throw it out. Yeah. So, Mm. um, yeah. So by the age of 19, um, I tried to take my own life. Yeah. I just had enough. Um, I think I had a real fascination with death. Okay. Um, yeah, I used to, um, read a lot of books uh, on death. Um, I started getting into a lot of um, reading a lot of things on psychics, uh, read read heaps of books on um, horror stories, ghost stories. I loved um, just, yeah, I loved all that dark stuff. Mm. And I loved Halloween. I remember when I was about 13, me and a group of my friends decided to go trick-or-treating on the nuns. So, but that didn't go too well because they just made us stand there and sing. Okay. Yeah. But um, after that, um, we decided we'd go to a friend's house and my friend was really keen on trying to um, channel and conjure up a dead person. Mm. Um, I have to admit I wasn't comfortable with it and I just treated it as a joke. Um, Later, she said that she had lost her rosary beads and found them in the bin, but I'm not sure whether she was just having us on or just or whether it really did happen. Right. Okay. So with you growing up during this time, were there any positive uh, influences in your life, any spiritual influences, like as in Christian spiritual influences? Um, Even though my dad um, wasn't a Catholic, um, every, every Sunday he used to take us to church. Okay. Yeah, and um, mum got a job um, working at nights as a nurse, so we'd pick her up at 7 o'clock in the morning and we'd all go to church. And I really hated um, going at that time because often we'd be late and we'd come in late. And in those days they had about three services and each service was really full. Right, okay. Yeah. So you growing up with all this uh, experiences, you start getting a fascination with, uh, I guess, the dark arts, so to speak. You have an eating disorder. And also when yes. you were diagnosed with a problem, instead of, I guess, providing this report, the support you required, um, you were actually blamed for it. Yeah, I, I did actually. Res- I actually resented my mum a lot more than I actually resented my dad, mm. which was odd. I remember... Um, I, I changed a lot towards my dad. Um, I think it helped that he actually shared his childhood experiences with us. Um, when I was about 15, I remember going into mum's room and she had her drawer open. And on the top of this drawer, there was a whole set of photos. And I just looked through them and I come across one 
It was of like a little boy of about three. And I just asked her who it was, and she said it was my dad. And, um, yeah, from that time on, I had a lot of um, pity for dad. Okay. Yeah, and um, I remember I had a lot of guilt also because I never really – I was so fearful of them. I didn't really want to spend much time with them. Mm. Yeah, so I used to make a point of um, coming after church on Sunday. He'd be in the kitchen reading the paper. So I used to make an effort just to come down and spend like an hour with him. Okay. Even though it was really awkward, yeah, I just wanted to be be with him and talk with him. And, um, yeah, this was before lunch. By the time lunchtime came, he was usually pretty drunk. So I'd just um, shoot off to my room again. Right, okay. Well, see, even as a child, you still craved that uh, relationship with your parents. And although it wasn't that great, you would make that effort to spend an hour with them while your dad was still relatively sober because come lunchtime, he normally would have had a few drinks by then. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Yeah. Um, by, my dad died um, in 1990, but the year the year before he died, he had actually mellowed quite a bit. Um, he hadn't been very well. He'd been getting a lot of headaches. He had high blood pressure, and mum was really worried about him. And even though dad put m- my mum through so much, you could tell that she still loved him and cared for him. Mm. And um, that last year, um, we had, we always had really lovely Christmases. Um, it wasn't one Christmas I could remember that was really bad. So that that sort of was lovely to look back on and have so, that memory. Okay, so good positive family times around Christmas. So was it a Christmas of a Christian nature or was it Christmas more of a, like a secular nature with Santa Claus and the usual? Um, a little bit of both. Okay. Um, like we'd go to church in the morning, and mum mum was a very uh, was a lovely practicing um, Catholic. Like she had the nativity scenes, and yeah, she was more into that side of it. Hmm. Um, yeah, and um, in the afternoon we used to go to my mum's parents' house for um, tea. And um, I know Dad struggled with not drinking that day because he always went to bed in the afternoon so he could be right um, later on. Okay. There, there was a lot of um, a lot of it was kept secret from my nana. Yeah. Right. Okay. So there was obviously the life that you guys had at home, and then there was also the public profile, I guess, that you that your family presented to other people, and your dad was quite good at doing that. No, I think um, yeah, I think Mum was probably Mum enabled it more. Mm. Yeah, I, I think um, coming up from a strong um, Catholic background, um, she had a lot of pride. Sure. And um, you know, yeah, it was marriage was sacred to her. Mm. Yeah, and so yeah, she had uh, four sisters, and they all all had strong marriages. Yeah, and yeah, it was sad. Okay, so your dad, uh, you said your dad mattered out uh, when he passed away. And then um, what what happened uh, around that time in your life? Um, Around that time, uh, I had a job in in a shop. We had this job um, ever since we were at school. We we worked in the weekends. Hmm. So when I left school, I continued to work there. And at the shop, there was this lady... 
um, she was an elderly lady who used to live upstairs and I became quite good friends with her granddaughter. So I used to stay there in the weekends and I had a lot of problems and I knew she knew I had a lot of problems, but she, she never pried. She just accepted me the way I was. And for the first time in my life, I actually felt loved by her. Wow. Yeah. And anyway, she ended up getting cancer and she died and I just remember feeling so empty. I used to spend a lot of time at the cemetery mm. and um, I remember on the day she died, it was around nine o'clock in the morning and it was so vivid. I had this really strange feeling pass over me and I knew in an instant that she had died at that time. And then I got a phone call later on saying, actually saying that she had died. And it was around about the time when I had that strange feeling pass over me. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. were you dabbling in uh, occultic things at this time? No, no, I wasn't. But I, I, it was just a fascination I had with all that sort of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, it was very dark. Yeah. Um, after they sold the shop, I just didn't want to stay there anymore and they sold the shop. So I headed over to Australia. Um, I had a brother over there. He was, I was around about 27 at the time. He was about 23. And of course, um, Grant had a lot of, a lot of drinking, had a drinking problem as well. Hmm. So I got really lonely over there because I, I didn't drink. I didn't even want to touch it. And um, yeah, he was partying a lot, and in the end, I ended up just being on my own quite a bit, so I ended up coming home. And um, mum, being a nurse, she got me a job as a nurse aide in the rehab um, unit at, at the hospital, and I just loved that job. But um, in about oh, a couple of years later, I, I met a guy there, and... Um, yeah, we, we were really good, really best friends, but a couple of, oh, I think we were best friends for about six years. Mm. And then um, he ended up leaving the job and I really missed him. So, of course, we ended up going out together and eventually we got engaged and we moved in, in together. But things changed when we moved in together. I felt really trapped. Um, this guy also had a drinking problem. Um, I knew I knew my family didn't approve of him, but it was kind of like I every time they said something bad about him, I'd just stick up for him. Mm. And I used to feel like, you know, if I didn't make him happy, that was the reason that he was going out drinking. Okay, so you were yeah. taking personal responsibility for his actions in, in a way. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So um, anyway, it only uh, a year later... Um, five months before the for the wedding, um, I started getting really um, really anxious, and I started thinking that I was going to end up like my mum. So of course, um, that was the start when the eating disorder really took a hold of me. Um, I started losing a lot of weight, and people started noticing. Mm. Um, so um, yeah, I started actually seeing my father in him. Right. So it really scared me. And in the end, I I more or less pushed him away and he left. So for the first time in my life, I was left alone. Um, and I more or less had a breakdown. Mm. So um, I ended up under the mental health services and they 
my first diagnosis was actually post-traumatic stress disorder. So um, they gave me a lot of medication. I was heavily um, medicated on two lots of uh, depression, anxiety medication. I had an antipsychotic, and I also uh, was given sleeping pills. Okay. Um, yeah, so I ended up really reliant on these sleeping pills. The, o- the only thing that I wanted was just to go to bed and sleep. That mm. was the only, the only peace I ever had. Yes. And the reason they prescribed the sleeping pills, was it because you had a sleeping disorder at the time? Did you struggle sleeping? Um, I had this disorder probably from a child. I, I think from it trying to stay back, awake at night. Yeah, definitely from try, trying to stay stay awake. Yeah, I I, was, I never could sleep. I was always worried, always fearful. Yeah. Mm, wow. Yeah. So um, then after that, they realised I was losing weight. Like I tried to hide it for so long, even though Mum was a nurse, she never really picked it up. Um, this was back like in the early eighties, okay. and it and it wasn't as well known back then. Um, even when I was growing up, I, I had no idea that it was, that's what it was. I just thought, oh, yeah, I'm just losing weight. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I used to do a lot of excess, uh, ex- excess exercise. Um, I used to wear a lot of baggy clothes. Um, I had I had developed a real addiction to sugar. There, there were times when, like, I was really starving myself, but in other times I would just crave sugar. Mm. And um, the times when I was really craving sugar, if I got a hold of sugar, I couldn't stop eating um, junk food and I ended up becoming bulimic as well. Right. So, so I had periods where I was starving myself and periods where I was binging. Mm. Yeah. Wow, so there's quite a roller coaster ride for you then during that time. Yeah. I, I had a lot of um, fear of what my mum would think. Um, for the when I first started under mental health, she kind of distanced herself from me. Um, I think she was just worried that um, you know the secret was out. Um, yeah, but I, I still kept a lot to myself. Um, after Craig left, I actually uh, rung mum up and I wanted to go back to church, so I started going back to church with mum at that time. Hmm. Yeah, I. I found it really comforting. Um, I, I really, uh, it was funny, all through my life, I just craved my mum's love. Um, she was a nurse at um, the children's ward, and I used to think things like, oh, she loved those kids more than she loved us. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Mm. So, so you, were, you were dealing with quite a few issues, and, of course, there was nothing to validate the opposite for you because you weren't getting that feedback from anybody. No, no, definitely not. Um, my my weight continued to drop, and I ended up in um, in ten, uh, in A and E with um, heart failure. Wow! So I ended up in um, admission to the mental health ward, and I ended up there for three months. Um, but nothing really helped. I had I got out after three months, went back to work, but I couldn't cope with work. I started thinking everybody was watching me. Um, they all knew why I was in there, and I started thinking like I, I had to try and be extra happy all the time. And 
Yeah, and so I actually ended up in heart failure again um, and ended up back in hospital for five months. Um, I actually lost my job through that. Um, Yeah, I used to have psychology every week. I was seeing different psychiatrists, but I I never had a um, psychologist that was kind of... um, permanent in my care so every time I got a new psychologist it was like being traumatized all over again because you got to start from scratch and tell your whole story again yeah definitely sure. I, yeah, yeah that would have been difficult yeah so I remember one psychologist I had my last one um, I had actually told him that I had tried to commit suicide when I was 19 and he he asked me oh why didn't you why why aren't you um what stopped you from doing it again? And I actually told him that I had a fear of going to hell um, because, okay. yeah, it was one of the things we were uh, taught at um, church, um, yeah, the Catholic Church. Mm. And he said to me, well, isn't what you're doing a slow form of suicide? And after he said that, I just thought, oh, there's just no hope for me. Um, so I can t- so um, they ended up um, diagnosing me as chronic because after I got out of hospital the, the second time, I just dropped back. Um, the weight just came off again. Um, so they ended up um, wanting to bring me up to a um, up forward to a judge who would then sign me off that they would have no responsibility if I just wanted to die. Wow, they can do that. Mm, yeah, I don't know whether they were just um, putting fear into me, but yeah, they. they. So of course, I thought I, my family was even told um, that there was really no hope for me, um, that I, yeah, I would have to just live with it. So after that, I just became GP managed. Incredible. So, out of all the people, including the so-called experts in that field. When they'd worked through your case and did what they had done, they said, we can't help you anymore. There was no help that anybody could give you to make you better. Is that, is that basically what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow, that is incredible. Well, dear listener, we are just going to take a short break. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony, and my special guest out of New Zealand via Skype is Diane Halpin. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back after this short message. The Word in Action, Luke 6.37 Forgive and you will be forgiven. Everyone has been hurt by someone, yet the Word tells us that our unforgiveness stands in the way of receiving God's forgiveness for ourselves. Are you holding on to anger and resentment? Who does that hurt anyway? It hurts you. Why not ask God to help you forgive that person today so that God can forgive your sins? Dear listener, welcome back to By the Word of Their Testimony. My special guest via Skype from New Zealand is Diane Halpin. And Diane, you were just telling us before the break that all the medical professionals and the people who were dealing with your case had pretty much given up hope and said there's nothing more they can do for you. They're just going to leave you to yourself. They'd even gone to court to say that they are no longer responsible for you. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Perhaps you can just tell us what you were being treated for at that time for those listeners who may have just joined us. Um, at that time, I was being treated for uh, severe depression, anxiety, and I also had a chronic eating disorder, anorexia nervosa. 
Wow. And you also had bulimia as well through part yeah, of that. Yeah, and, and bulimia as well went went with that as well. Yep. Mm, wow. And the experts just said uh, she's a hopeless case. We can't do anything for her. Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, there must be some good news to the story because you're still here with us. Um, so perhaps <laughs> you can pick the story up from there and tell us what happens next. Okay, around about 2006, um, my mum was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. So I went home to be with her and I looked after her for five months. Um, I had a lot of guilt, a lot of regret um, about um, being sick while I looked after my mum. Um, My mum died, after my mum died in November that year I had a lot of intense grief over her dying um, I, I had a lot of um, I used to cry a lot but when I was out in public I still tried to hide it I would I would especially have really um, really dark days on Sundays which was the day I spent most of my time with mum mm. yeah so as I said I had a lot of emptiness but and I also had that guilt and regret so I decided I'd go to confession. So around about um, Christmas time, they always had confessions on like Easter, Christmas. Okay. So um, I went to confession and I sat down and I just told the priest how I didn't feel like I was a good daughter, that um, I hadn't honoured my father or my mother. Um, And he was really kind. Um, He said that he was sure that she would understand and that, um, I, yeah, he didn't even give me penance. So, yeah, that was, right, okay. that was, that was not what I was used to. <laughs> right. Had you been to confession before this or was this the first time? Um, no. Last time we used to have to, they, we were made to go to confession when we were um, attending school. I, right. I was brought up in Catholic schools. Hmm. So we were made to go to confession and it, it used to, be very uncomfortable, um, especially as a child. Um, a lot of times I was trying to think up things to say and I'd more or less just tell white lies because okay. you needed to say something. So, sure. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that'd be quite difficult as a child when you think, well, I've really got nothing to confess, so I've got to say something. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So um, it, it, my sister actually went to a priest after mum died and she actually asked them, you know, what happens when you die? Because we were getting a lot of mixed um, messages. There was like purgatory, there was hell, uh, there was straight to heaven. So the priest told her, and I'll never forget the word he used, he said that the people that were really, really good like my mum would go straight to heaven mm. and those that weren't so good uh, they would be tweaked in purgatory, um, more or less all their black uh, spots and they would all be ironed out and then they would eventually go to um, heaven as well. Mm. So I think that comforted my sister, but it really didn't comfort me. Um, I was, I just couldn't get the, um, I couldn't grasp the idea that mum was at peace looking down on us. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you, you didn't think heaven would be a great place for your mum if you looked down, you guys were still suffering and going through difficulties here on earth. Yeah. I, I did have a lot of mixed messages. I remember um, there used to be a day, it was called All Souls Day. It was the day after Halloween. Right. And um, 
mum, every November, they would take up an offering. And what you did was you put a, a person's name or names of people, your loved ones that had passed away, and you'd put money in this envelope. And then they would put the offering um, just beside the altar. And then that would give the priest's permission to pray for your lost loved ones. Okay. Yeah. So this so, is to pray for them if they are still in purgatory or for um, praying yeah, if they're still if, in heaven? or If they're still in purgatory. Okay. Yeah. And this is hopefully to shorten their time in purgatory. Yeah. Wow. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. I follow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, my, I just was not at peace. Mm. Um, I remember after the funeral, um, my, a friend of mine gave me a glass angel. And it was a beautiful little angel. It used to light up if you um, push the um, button at the end. It was okay. just a wee slide-on button. And she said to me on the day that oh, if, you, if you want comfort, just just turn the angel light on and you'll know your mum's with you. Mm. Yeah, so um, anyway, one night I... I was just um, grief-stricken again. I mean, this grief went on for years. And um, I reached out for the angel. Um, No, that's right. I didn't reach out for the angel. What happened was the angel light came on all by itself. Wow. Yeah. So I thought, well, maybe there is some truth in this. Maybe mum is here. Mm. And I I remember having um, a dream one night. I was back in my bed Um, that I grew up in, and I remember seeing mum sitting on the end of my bed talking to me, and and it was so vivid, it was like she was actually there. Really? Wow, so a real Mm. vivid dream. Mm, Yeah, I had a lot of dreams. I had a lot of nightmares. I I had a lot of dreams where I was kind of floating. Okay. Yeah, and anyway, after that... I started getting these strange noises in my room at night. Um, I like I would take my sleeping pill, but they were so loud they would wake me up. It was like the noise went right past my ear. Really? And it didn't matter which side I was sleeping on, there was this noise. Hmm. So I actually thought, oh, I'm just going insane. So I, I thought someone, I had told someone about the noise and they said, oh, maybe you should go see the doctor. So anyway, I went to see the doctor, and she said, oh, you've probably got wax in your ears. So she just gave me some drops. Um, But it it actually got worse. These noises were happening, like, every night. Mm. And I knew knew there was something wrong when I used to go and stay at my sister's in Christchurch or I'd go into respite care, but there were never any noises. It was only in that, that room. Okay. Yeah, so things just went from worse. Um, a couple of times, um, I actually, I used to just hide under the bed case, but a couple of times I looked up and I actually seen dark shadows coming towards me. Really? Well, they would have been really scared. Uh, it was, uh, I really felt like I was just living in one of the horror movies I used to watch. Mm. And at this time, were you still watching these horror movies and, and still having a fascination with, with those dark things? Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, mm. I, 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 um, yeah, I, I just love, love that sort of thing, and I also listen to a lot of really heavy metal music. So, yeah, it was just a really bad time. Wow. A lot of the music that I used to listen to was kind of, um, 
either it was heavy metal or it was like really mellow and stuff that would just make me cry and put me back in the past. Hmm. Yeah. So the so your 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 present reality was not very positive, and at times you would then listen to other kinds of music, which would make you reminisce and live in the past, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. So any anyway. In 2013, I had to switch to Freeview TV. So um, I had a, a guy came in and adjust what I needed, the aerial. And anyway, as he was uh, flicking through the channels, um, he stopped on a program called First Light. Okay. And I, I, I thought, oh, what's, what's that? I actually asked him what it was, and he just told me that it was a religious program. Now, I was so adamant I was not going to watch Freeview. I, I just thought, no, nah, I'm not interested in any of that at all. And anyway, one morning after a really bad night, it might have been after one of the dark shadows, um, I got up and I turned the TV on. I, I didn't like silence. I always either had to have the radio on or the TV on. Right. So I sat down and I thought, oh, there was really just nothing on. I, I wasn't really interested in anything. So I started flicking through the channels. And I was really unaware that the channel that I fitched, switched on was actually First Light. Okay. And anyway, um, what came up was this caption. It was called Deadly Deceptions. And my automatic thought was, oh, this sounds good. I think I think this sounds um Interesting. It sounded like some horror movie, or okay. yeah. So I so I watched this, and I was absolutely captivated by the speaker. It actually told me um, what really happened when you die, and that your dead loved ones are just a mere evil deception. And the de and what really comforted me also was knowing that the dead know nothing about their own children. Um, there was a verse in Job fourteen twenty one. Right. It said. His sons come to honor and he does not know it. They are brought low and he does not perceive it. Mm. Yeah, and I can't I can't believe God's perfect timing because if anything else had been on that day, I would have just switched it over. Wow. Okay, so yeah. God knew what you needed to see at the time to hold your attention so you could be open to hearing the yeah. gospel. Yeah. He actually that day actually he revealed my deepest longing. Yeah. It was just, I had such peace. I I can't explain it. And just um, from watching that one program, you had the sense yeah, of peace come over you. Yeah, it was amazing. I just felt, yeah, this inner peace. And after that day, the intense grief was just gone. Well, praise the Lord. So just one snippet of the light of the gospel um, shining into your life transforms your life and you have an experience of peace that you've not experienced, what, Ever, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I had actually had a, um, a Bible given to me ages ago, but it just sat on the table. So after that day, um, yeah, my journey was beginning, and I started getting blessed by watching more and more um, programs on First Light. I, um, the, one of the other ones that I watched was um, about the truth about angels okay. because um, I used to collect angels and I loved angels and I used to talk to angels and I learned that um, you know we we don't that we don't talk to angels I used to um, 
have this saint that I used to pray to. It was his name was Saint Jude. He was actually the patron saint of lost causes. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, I started learning that um, you know I I could go directly to God. That I didn't have to go through Mary. I didn't have to go through saints. It was just it was just so eye opening. Wow. And did you like the idea that you didn't have any barrier or any people that you had to go through you could go and have direct access through God? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um I I was there was just one thing that I had a little bit of time um getting my head around and that was probably the prophecy to do with the um papacy. Okay. Um I just found uh, that a bit confronting, and sure. I, now, given I, your background, of course, and yeah, having yeah. been exposed to Catholicism all your life, pretty much, that would have been mm. really confronting. Yeah, I didn't actually understand that. You know, God loves people; He loves the sinner, but He hates the sin. Yes. And and I realised after I kept watching um, that it was the system and not the people. Absolutely mm. not. God has a lot of beautiful people, even within Catholicism. And um, we we don't judge the people. Of course, it's, it's talking about the system. You did right. Yeah, mm. yeah. So um, I was still going to the um, Catholic Church. Um, it was still a comfort for me. Um, but then I started hearing the truth about the Sabbath, and um, yeah, I was so convicted. So I ended up. I think I went once. I went once more after I heard the truth, but I just didn't feel comfortable. So I ended up. Um, I ne- I didn't know it was the, a Seventh Day Adventist uh, channel. Um, I probably it was probably a good thing that I didn't because I I had a lot of uh, preconceived ideas about other faiths through sure. Mum. Mm. Um, ma, ma, whenever anyone used to come to the door Mum was so proud of being a Catholic She'd just say, oh, I'm a Catholic and I'm not interested And just send them away mm. So um, I remember also I had a lot of fear about telling people Once I joined the Seventh-day Adventist Church I had a lot of fear around um, telling people That I had left the Catholic Church um, I especially had a fear of um, running into the Paris priest. Okay. Um, so God's amazing. Um, I remember uh, walking back from town one day and my worst fear was coming straight towards me. And I just called out to God and I thought, oh, Lord, I panicked. I thought I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. And anyway, as the priest approached me, he just got out the word, hello, how are you? And I could not believe it. This great big downpour of rain, heavy, heavy rain, came down upon us. Um, he wasn't. He was carrying his jacket, so he just put his jacket over his head and said, oh, I think we better um, just keep going. Okay. So, so, of course, I just watched him um, just head off into the distance and I thought I just stood there and I thought I could not believe I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And as I turned round, I seen the most beautiful rainbow I'd ever seen. And it was so, so near me. Mm. So but God taught me a really valuable lesson that day because I went home from there and I opened my Bible and I was just praising God that he'd saved me from that experience. Right. But um, 
But what he, what I landed on was Hebrews five, uh, Hebrews thirteen, verse five and six, and it said, "For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper; I will not fear. What can man do to me?" Amen. Beautiful so, text. Yeah, and I just I just thought, um, he's he's here, he's with me. And so I started um, sharing um, more, witnessing more. I um, used to go um, letter boxing, uh, putting Bible study cards or sharing books. And some of my greatest joys came um, when God used to give me divine appointments and send people to me and, um, you know, sharing his word um, sharing a little bit of comfort to someone. Mm, wow. So your your life changed quite dramatically. Yeah, but um, I still had the issue over my eating disorder. Okay. Um, I I um, had a lot of conviction. One of the first books I got out of, of church was a book called Diets on Councils and Food. Okay. Um, I... Yeah, I was at the start with being from a back Catholic background. I thought, look, I had to do some of this work. I, I used to read texts like, um, you know, do not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, yes. and um, therefore, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Hmm. And it just really grieved me. I so wanted God's Spirit to stay with me, and I, I thought that He would leave. Um, if I didn't get my act together and deal wow. with this. Mm. So at the start, um, it was a real struggle. Um, but God gave me the victory over other things in my life. Um, he gave me the victory over the medication. I, I gradually weaned myself off that. Wow. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't advise anybody to do that. I did have some really unpleasant effects. Uh, side effects, but I just didn't think my doctor would understand because I was told I was to be on them all my life. Right. So this is now medication for antidepressants. That was the anti. Yeah, that was the antidepressants. And the sleeping and, tablets. Uh, the sleeping tablets were. That was amazing too because I had six sleeping tablets left. And one day I just said to the Lord, Lord, I can't do this anymore. You're going to have to help me. Hmm. So I actually took the sleeping tablets and just poured them down the sink. And I got the victory instantly. Wow. So you went to bed that night and you slept. Yeah. The only time I remember, um, I remember having to write my testimony for the church. Um, I was still hiding a lot of my eating disorder. so So I didn't write anything like that. But I did write about how, how I found God that day um, through first light. Hmm. Um, and anyway, I remember, um, someone had given me the, um, coordinates to the three ABN channel. So this night while I was laying in bed, I couldn't sleep and I was worried about this, um, sleeping disorder coming back again. So I decided to, oh, switch on three ABN, um, cause I loved the music. I thought, um, there might be a message tonight. So, when Is this in radio? Yeah. Okay. So um, when I switched it on, I just had the – I had to laugh. God's got such a sense of humor. Um, it was the introductory music for Health for a Lifetime, and it was all about insomnia. Oh, really? 
Yeah. Incredible so just, timing again. Yeah, he's he's amazing. His timing's mm. just perfect. The the more he started to reveal himself to me, and like um, you know, letting me share my testimony, uh, letting me um just in little things he cared about just the little things like one day I had a a really sore foot um I had uh, I don't know what I had done to my ankle and I was walking home one day and I just cried out to the Lord I said oh Lord I'd I'd love it if you'd give me a ride home and anyway lo and behold I was I wasn't on a main street I was on a back street and all of a sudden my neighbor who lives next door to me turns up so anyway, she she ended up taking me home, and I, I wished I had have asked her um, why she was coming down that street. So the next day, I was walking home again with heavy heavy bags, and I said to the Lord, Lord, um, I felt a little presumptuous, but I said this time, oh, if it's your will, um, could you give me a ride home? And anyway, the next time, next thing. Another lady pulls up, and this lady I knew from when I was working, and I hadn't seen her for ages. Yeah. Um, so anyway, she ends up giving me a ride home, and I asked her, oh, how did you know to come down? How, why were you down the street? Hmm. And she ended up telling me that it was, it was strange because she had parked her car on the opposite side of the road, and she had to, had to turn around and come down the street that I was coming down. And she never actually ever comes down the street, and she seen me and decided to give me a ride home. But I didn't know it at the time because I hadn't really spent much time talking to her, but I shared what happened to me the day before and how I had prayed for God to give me a ride, and I found out that she was also a, a Christian. Okay. So I was able to give her um, a few um, material and my share my testimony, and we just had such a lovely time together that that trip home. Mm. Mm. And there was another time that I, I, some of my darkest times, um, when I felt my most unworthiness, a lot of these things happened then. Like um, I was just about ready to give up at one stage. And um, I think God knew that I just loved wit witnessing and how it filled me with joy. And at this particular day, I, I really didn't think God was still with me. And anyway, I was just walking back from town and I, I seen this lady. It was raining and she was in a wheelchair and she had bent down to pick up one of her gloves. So I came down and, and helped her. I picked it up for her and we just started walking and talking. And then she, she told me just out of the balloon that she she couldn't actually cope if it wasn't for having faith. Mm. So, of course, um, I started, yeah, we just started chatting on the way home. And anyway, I went home and I was just saying, oh, Lord, I couldn't believe that you could still use me after after all that I was thinking. So the next day, so I had this little Steps to Christ book and I sort of thought, oh, I wished I had had something in my pocket so that I could have given this lady. Yes. So a couple of days later, I thought I had never seen her before. So I thought, oh, the chances of seeing her were pretty slim. So I stuck the little book into my pocket and I was walking along the street and I could not believe it. This lady intersected me at a corner, and I was able to give her the Little Steps to Christ book. Mm. And I never saw that lady again. Wow. So you only saw the two times? 
Yeah, so Ernie, so these little things that he was doing for me started really um, giving me more trust, and um, it, yeah, it just really soothed me. So I, I more or less had to make this conscious decision just to let go, and and he he'd given me the victory over the sleeping pills. He'd given me the victory over like uh, the choice of books I read, uh, the music in my life. Um, so and so I started focusing more on what he can do through me and not what mm, I can't amen. do. Yeah. yeah. So I started then focusing on his strength rather than my weakness. Mm, and I and I decided to rely more on his um, power because. I realize he doesn't want us to go through these struggles alone. That's true. Yeah. So anyway, I started um, praying that he would give me the victory. And gradually I started noticing. Uh, it was actually people that started noticing little differences. Um, I started really committing to eating healthily. Um, I got off. St- I try. I got off the sugar. Um, like I, I learned that it takes 21 days to change a habit. Yes. So I thought, oh, I can do this in 21 days. Mm-hmm. So I was also really addicted to. Um, after the sleeping pills, I started to rely on um, caffeinated energy drinks. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, he ended up giving me the victory twice over that because okay. um, I I did get the victory once and then I made the mistake of thinking, oh, one wouldn't hurt. Right, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. But you got so, the victory again, which we praise yes. God for that. You know, there's a text in Proverbs 24 verse 16 says that if a just man falls seven times, he rises up again, but the wicked yeah. fall into mischief. So you got you, you fell twice and the Lord uh, picked you up twice. Praise yes. Praise God. I love that quote that says, when I try, I fail. When I trust, I succeed. Amen. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. So anyway, eventually I started putting on weight. Um, My family saw instantly the changes in me because um, I just had a joy. Um, The depression was gone. Um, They started seeing me put on weight. they they're still they're still in the Catholic Church, but I just pray for them now. I I had a real burden for my family, and that was another thing I had to just let go of and let God because I thought to myself, if He can do this amazing thing in my life when I was so far away and so distant from God, that He can do the same thing from them. So every day I just ask them to. Re- Ask him to reveal themselves to uh, reveal themselves to them and just intervene in their lives, and mm. I I have seen seen changes even in them, you know their attitude. And I have a brother I spend a lot of time with now. I used to actually have a real fear of him because he was also an alcoholic. Yes. So. Um, he opens up a lot more to me now, and you know, I I, I do share. He knows my testimony. Um, he said he wished he had the faith that I had, and I said, Oh, Craig, he loves you. He can give you the victory. Um, so I just keep praying and praying. And um, he used to have a lot of depression, but I've noticed a lot of his depression is lifted, and I just love spending time with him. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you very much for that, uh, Diane. I just want to now take a break and we'll share our contact details. And dear listener, we'll be right back after these messages. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program 
Or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 02497334456. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, welcome back. My special guest via Sky from New Zealand is Diane Halpin, and she's just been sharing her testimony how the Lord has transformed and changed her life and how he's working in her family life. And you said you just had a couple of quick stories to share with us before we wrap up this program. I was just um, thinking the other day, and God shared this with me, that I I think everybody has a story in the Bible they can relate to. Hmm. And the story that I really relate to is in Mark 5. It's about a woman who suffered many things from physicians, and instead of getting better, she just grew worse. Yes. And I could just relate to her hopelessness, her isolation, um, and I also relate to the fact that she had a label put on her uh, unclean. Yes, that's true. And then Jesus changed, changed all that. He gave her a new name, and he called her daughter, he said, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Yes, amen. Yeah, that's Mark 5, 34. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I still, you know, God never promised that um, there would be sunshine without storms. So, you know, I still go through pains and heartaches and sorrow, sorrows. But the difference is I think that it's that God is with me through it all now. Amen. Mm. And I remember a pastor, um, he did a sermon once and he said something that really touched my heart. He said, do not ask for the storms to stop, but learn instead to dance in the rain. Wow. Okay. So just a different mindset and relying on God for everything. Yes. Mm. Yeah, God, God helps us through and he never leaves us nor forsakes us. But we have to believe that he's always with us, as the word of God says. Uh, it's unbelief that actually is our biggest problem. Dear listener, thank you for joining us again on By the Word of Their Testimony. And Diane, thank you for coming and sharing your testimony with us. It's been a real blessing to hear what the Lord has done in your life. And we pray that God will continue to bless and lead you. And I know uh, for those people who have been listening today, I know many people's lives would have been impacted in a positive way. We pray that God will continue to be with you as well. So please join us next time. And we look forward to having your company then. God bless. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.